Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hello and welcome to Sugar, Silk and Stretch, a unique boxing podcast brought to you exclusively by Ace Podcast Nation. My name is Ben Doughty. My name is Michael Silk Olajide. And I am Gary Stretcher. Hey, what's up, Gary? What's Good up, to see you, Gary. You're How in sunny you? LA now this time. Uh, ben, you've been following me all around the world. Absolutely. I tell you what, I'm just... I've left England, I've left Bulgaria, but every every country I get to, I always call Ben, because he's been my saviour when I'm trying to watch links to fights, because I can never get a fight <laughs> in different countries. And I, I say, Ben, what I'm you, so you, all, our, all hours of the night. And then gets online and gets me somehow, gets me a link to a fight, uh, which would lead me into the subject that Ben, I know he hates, is the uh, YouTube boxing uh, fight, which is uh, just happened. I was yeah. going to ask you exactly what you call him when you call him, because I know a few people that have called him a few things, but uh, what? maybe you call him something differently. Cool. <laughs> what are you talking sir? about? <laughs> no, nothing. So. Oh, oh, we get it. He said, he said, I've called Ben every whatever country I'm in. I've called Ben, and he's like, "What do you call him?" It's one of them out there jokes from the Silk again. You got to ease into I, these I, things. I just simply call Ben, and I said, yeah. oh, "Hi, Ben. Can you help me?" And he normally helps me, but probably uh, okay, any particular name. So, here's the thing, then, Gary. My, my thing is, see, charisma and marketing in boxing. In, in the old days, way back in the day, it used to be a case of like a young Cassius Clay or a Sugar Leonard. Their charisma helped package the amazing product. That Cassius Clay had, had leapfrogged his way to a shot at Sonny Liston over more deserving contenders because of style and profile and personality. We seem to have gone crazy with that whole ethos today, where the point where the talent and the credibility and, and you know, no longer matters. And it's all about marketing. And some people have said, that what this proved last night, because there was two world title fights going on last night. You know, Tim Zhu defended his WBO title against Brian Mendoza, a uh, unanimous decision. And Jani Beck, I don't even know how you say his surname, Alim, Alim Kanuli, uh, the, the Kazakhstani Southpaw, who actually looks really good. I've actually watched him properly for the first time last night. And uh, he, they were totally in a relative, relative obscurity while everyone was talking about the circus on the zone. Now, some people have said boxing has itself to blame for this situation because of all the ills of professional boxing. These people are proving that it's a, that how you market something into a fun event that people want to watch. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. Well, you know what? Can I just say something really ben, quickly? I, it's been around yeah, let, let go, let him... time. Sorry, yeah. if I say something really quickly. This has been around since the beginning of time. There's tough man contests that go back to the 70s and probably circus boxing from the 60s. So, so like having now that you have guys with personalities and and they're challenging each other and everything, and and it's really it's really nothing new. I mean, that's exactly what tough man contests are. They're non-professional boxers who don gloves 
and fight each other and talk all sorts of crap beforehand. It's just that now we have such a social, like we have social media Platform. and it's connected. And, and so it makes, you know, we're, we're offended by the money they make, but it's just, it just naturally makes sense. The more people that watch it, you get paid for it. It's not a big deal. It doesn't tell me that they're any good at what they do. It, all it means is they, they, well, they make more money than the average boxer. That's all there is to it. Gary? Can I chip in? Can I chip in? Please chip away. Well, I'm I'm partial with Ben. Ben's a purist. He likes the fight game. He's a you know comes from a background of professional boxing and uh, and he respects the sport. But I have to say, boys, these guys are serious athletes. I mean. They really are. They get great trainers. They work hard. They've, uh, like, these guys uh, take, I believe they take this sport serious. And as much as the circus that it is, they they actually do do a certain work ethic to, to, to get there. So, I mean, fear will do that. Well, no. It, it's like you know they 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 take a certain amount of um like the, the, these guys are not playing at it they they really do try to get ready for whatever fight they get involved in and so of course but they're not, how did that play it's, out? not it's not what we want it to be but still i have to give them a certain amount of respect for the work they do you know yeah i, I understand that and i respect that but look i, I remember like I KSI or or Jake Paul would beat your average five fight professional boxer. I, I would I say, no, I don't think so. Um, no, no. not if he's so. talented. There's no way. If Michael, no. well, you know, even Michael is like sixty, right? I think, and I'm only saying this because I don't want to put myself in it. If Michael fought, <laughs> you know, either of them, he beat him today, tomorrow, <laughs> or next week, with with an eye patch. Yeah, but I mean, thing is. I mean, I didn't watch it all because I I don't want to watch it all. But I had a little look, Gary, because if I did, if I avoid it completely, then I don't, I can't fully comment because I don't know what I'm talking about, can I? So I had to walk that tightrope between not wanting to watch it and not being interested. But I thought I have a little look. They look, they were fucking useless, Gary. Um, and and not, we're not just talking about the main event. The other guys down on the card, that Dylan Dennis, did you see him with this? I, I probably haven't got enough space in my screen to do it. It looked no, like he was the, trying to the, do this. The other card was the embarrassing. Thing. Yes. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, no, the other card, think, you're, you're right. I was embarrassed. Yeah. So I just think it's a shame that people do buy into this kind of thing. But at the same time, listen, I do understand the criticisms against the boxing industry. Danny Cassius Connor, who was a former Southern area like welterweight champion and a, and a friend of mine I've known for years, he said, listen, Tyson, sorry, Tommy Fury is not an he's obviously he's a novice professional boxer with very little amateur pedigree he says so consequently he is probably facing better opponents within the the, the the route he's gone down than he might have done otherwise with some of those knockover jobs that they will give you he says all right he said no no i'm not really interested in seeing him fight ksi he said but i'd rather see him fight ksi than vladimir box recology you know he said who's you know who's had yeah, two I wins mean, I mean, KSI, and 15 yeah. losses Gone is as is, is novice as he is, he's extremely uh, like I know the game, you know the game, Ben. KSI is a fucking extremely unorthodox, difficult opponent to fight for anyone, even a pro boxer. He is a fucking. I've never seen fast. a fight. I can't yeah. comment on it. I but think Michael, got some... this is a kid. Yeah. Who, He's very uh, athletic. He's uh, like I hate to say it, but like you give me a, a a YouTuber boxer, I'll fight all day. Give me KSI, I would be I would be cautious because the the kid's dangerous. He's not orthodox. He's extremely weird, and he's difficult. And I think Tommy Fury faced a really difficult battle, and yeah. and and not not only difficult for a round, and difficult for Ten rounds, like he does. You can't work him out in a round or two. They only went six it rounds. Dangerous right? the whole night. Like I, I thought Tommy did kind of a decent job, but it, I mean the fight was horrific. It was a, 
grabbing hole fight, but yeah, but I don't think anyone I don't think anyone would get rid of KSI that quickly. I think it's just extremely awkward and unorthodox. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I I don't know that. Um, so how do you get on with like Anthony Yard or something like that? I'm sure he would I knock him out. Anthony Yard would blast him out, I think. But yeah, <laughs> I think he'd be awkward for a while. With the star, Anthony Yard's yeah? a bit different, I think. Well, because yeah. well, what no, we're talking about now, what we're talking about now, Jerry, you're talking about the skills. So when an individual with skills now starts fighting guys that have never boxed before and don't have those skills, and they no, don't have no, no, him, yeah. Anthony he, he's awkward is, against a guy who's never fought before. Anthony but, or maybe he's going to be, or maybe he's going to be awkward for a guy that sticks and moves naturally. But if you, Anthony if you, Yard is an explosive big banger, so. I would expect that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm but saying. An average a... pro would have difficulties with with the KSI of the world. No, I think. they would not. An average Absolutely pro. Not. No, they wouldn't. No. Well, look, the thing is, he doesn't fight any, does he? So that's the thing. It's all conjecture. It's a, We don't know because he doesn't fight him. He fights a guy, Tommy Fury. I don't. If he had an amateur career, I'm not aware of it. People keep saying he's in boxing since he was six years old and he comes from the fighting gypsy clan and all that. But I'm not aware he had any amateur career to speak of. I've seen him turn pro and I see him knock I over think, a few. I think he had 10, but, 10 fights. Yeah, Maybe. but check it out, uh, uh, Ben. When, when you say things like that, and Gary, when you say things like that, you're... What, what you're doing is you're, you're denying your own pedigree, Gary, your own pedigree. The fact that you fought and you know what it takes to hone a punch, yeah. to make that punch. The fact that you can hit somebody and beat somebody who spends every single day of their life perfecting their art and, and, and ability. And you're telling me that now you do that, right? You, you, you cultivated your style day in, day out. You've been hit. You hit other guys. You learn to slip punches. You, your body's attuned and adjusted to this, to pugilistic perfection or your or your version of it. And then you're saying some guy up off the street that all he does is watch videos and of, uh, can yeah. come from and get in the ring with you and give you hell. That's just not reality. It's not reality. There's no way you can do That's like me saying I can get in there because I've been driving cars for since I was – 16 years old i can i can race you know uh, aj petty or some race car driver it's like it's just not true i can't it, the reality of it is i can't when it comes down to competition and stuff gets gets real i'm not going to be able to mess with any <coughs> athlete or any amateur athlete in any other thing that i'm you know that i can't do <coughs> seems no different I, no I, different. I i get i get your comment Silk, but i believe I have enough experience in the fight game to know when someone's difficult or awkward. And I think KSI is a pretty difficult awkward opponent. Charlie Edwards uh, actually said, Charlie Edwards said, you know when you sometimes spar with a guy who's so bad that you struggle with him because you've got a good skill yes, set and that, you're used to a ben. different level. Exactly yeah. right, Ben. That's what that's what Charlie said. He said, I think that's what happened to Tommy. But see, I'm, I must admit, I've got a down on Tommy Fury right, right from the off now because I don't see anything... I mean, I look at all that nonsense. You know, I mean, I, I hardly saw any of it, but I saw bits of the build-up and they're in a cage, banging the cage like a pair of queers. And yeah, I said that. I'm very, actually, very kind of uh, liberal and metrosexual, but I hey, said it because I'm a man and I'm to you out. You're, you're going to get us cancelled at this rate. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you know what I'm saying? Listen, <laughs> my brother is gay. I, I said there's nothing wrong with a queer. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the queer. There isn't, and you know, ask anybody who knows me. I have a very liberal attitude towards all that kind of thing. But, but I will say it to dig someone out because that's the fighting man in me. That's the boxer in me to say, what are you doing that like a pair of queers for? It, it's it shouldn't be taken more gravely or seriously. Ben, but you know, Ben, if you get cancelled, I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, we might have to literally pretend to be with each other just so we don't get cancelled. But. <laughs> Listen. Yeah, uh, hey, that's uh, okay. Do you know, hey, yeah, anyway, but, let's go let's on. Move. Did, did you see? The, did you see the fight, Ben? 
No, I no, I, I I wouldn't watch the whole thing. I just saw bits of it, and I saw bits of that Dennis fella with his with his Floyd May with a southpaw, with his arm up like this doing the shoulder roll, and then flicking a jab like this. I, I saw that. That was good. Who um, did that? Who did that? I, his name's Dylan Dennis. I I hate saying these guys' names. I hate saying their names. But he, he had a jab like this southpaw. He went like this. It was great. Well, you should have seen it, Silk. You might have learned something. Well, you know what? It, it's it's really interesting because even even guys with awkward very strange styles in boxing they've done it so much they can make it work for them i remember when um uh, edwin rosario came on the scene and he yeah. was boxing like this he had his elbows up here and, and yeah. he was very sharp and hard with his moves and his elbows were way away from his ribs and every, yeah. every trainer tells you to keep those elbows down to your ribs and punch from here and he came out like this now that's unconventional in boxing but you know what it worked because he's been doing it He's cultivated yeah. that style. He's been doing it since he was a kid. And so now the advantages you think you have, you don't have unless you're somebody like, uh, who is it, Jose Luis Ramirez, who finally got to him? Well, they, they won and lost against each other. Um, Ramirez beat uh, Rosario in a real up-and-down four-round shootout, but Rosario yeah. beat him on another occasion. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, 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 but Jose was the one really... beat him first and was able to take advantage of that style with the elbows up here, and it yeah. just didn't work for him. Chavez was the one who really walked Rosario yes. down and put hurt on him. Yeah. I mean, that was like a, a masterclass yeah. of, of infighting, you know. But, um, but you're right, sometimes... You know when somebody tries to... I remember Nate Campbell, I think it was. Wait, 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 Ben. Sorry, sorry. Can you back up a second? Can you can you say that the first part of that sentence again? When we talk about guys who do something unconventional, but no, it no, works. No, 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 not that part. The sentence before. I don't remember what it was. You said you started off with something like, you're right. You're right. When you say sometimes a coach... You just wanted... You, that's all you wanted to hear, wasn't it? You were right. <laughs> It's like when you kept getting me to say thank you for various acts of kindness when we were in when I was in the States. You said I'd learned the value of critical thinking and critical thinking after a weekend with you. But no, you're right when you say that I remember Nate Campbell saying to Buddy McGirt, or, or I remember Buddy McGirt describing this conversation. He said, Whatever you do, coach, don't fuck with my legs, my stance. Don't tell me my legs aren't wide enough. He goes, Don't talk about my balance. I stand the way I stand, and that is the way I do it. And he didn't want to be told something different you know what i mean because sometimes mm. if you give them the conventional wisdom on it you take away something that they might have you know and that's the thing in boxing it's like sometimes like some people will come in and i look in retrospect i think back to my career when i've had people come into my life and they try to like in in a boxing sense and they've tried to change some things up and i've been resistant to it and in retrospect now i'm like that was exactly what I really needed, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean? And and that's and that's the shame of it. It's like you, when you when you um, listen to somebody else, like are they going to spoil the the ingredients or are they going to make it better? Chances are, if it's missing, it's not existent, and they're telling you, you know, to get it. <laughs> yeah, it, it could be a good. It probably is a good thing. I try to now in life. I try to whenever somebody says something, I, I analyze it and I take it on board. Yeah, what, yeah. What about you, Gary? Did you did you ever have a coach try and get you to do something or stop doing something that you felt instinctively wasn't right for you? My whole career. Yeah. Um, well, no, you know, I, I I'm a right-handed southpaw. Yeah. So, you know, most southpaws are left-handed. I was a right-handed southpaw. I I felt when I went to the gym as a child. I remember the coach, he said, are you left-handed, right-handed? I said, uh, right-handed. Okay, you're orthodox. I said, okay, what does that mean? Well, you stand left foot forward and you hit with your right hand. I said, oh, great. So we're doing that. And then I can't remember, but someone mentioned Southpaw. I said, what's that? And he said, well, that's the other way. He said, you don't do that. Everyone hates a fucking Southpaw. So I said, how do you mean? He said, no, everyone hates fighting Southpaws. So I said, okay, I want to be a southpaw. So he trained me the opposite way. And I, so my whole career was uh, not the conventional way. Yeah. And through, through that career, you know, my natural I made it work. And, uh, and, I, and I became a difficult southpaw. And so, yeah. 
Um, yeah. It's uh, so yeah. There, there you go. You're, you're back down here again, Gary. The producer and me didn't like the way your head was cut off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm um, on the phone and I'm. Uh, I my stand didn't work today, so I to um, I'm on hand. So if I. If, uh, I had a question. Someone asked, "What's in the baking jug?" It, uh, is ginger, hot water, and ginger. It's sort of like nursing a cold over here. Is I was going to ask you, water. what is that part of your secret to look so ludicrously young and vital <laughs> at the age you are? Because <laughs> it does help. It's better than the sugar water I generally drink. That's for sure. Yeah, because that's the thing. So when I was when I was in the states with you, I see you have milkshakes. I see you have burgers and pork sandwiches, and I'm like, how does this motherfucker look so good on this diet of just what everybody has? He's a freak. The silk is a freak. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're too kind. Believe me. Uh, yeah, it's the two kinds saying he's a freak like that. <laughs> Listen, guys, I, I'm, I'm not trying to shut down the other conversation because um, I know it, it was something Gary wanted to talk about in a. In a no, Ben, a it's, a relevant, it's a relevant subject. I mean, we, we can be purists as boxers, but the reality is there was a fight last night. It's a big fight. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. But did you see? Did you see, did anybody see uh, Tim Zoo? Or did, did anybody see Yanabek? I didn't see, I didn't see, I didn't see it. No, you know what? You told me about the fight. You told me to commentate on it. I know Tim Zoo very well. I think he's a great fighter. He won, right? On points. Uh, yeah, he won on points, Tim Zhu. Apparently, it was even enough after um, six rounds. Because, um, see, uh, Mendoza was the guy who derailed that Sebastian Fundora. Remember the guy was about seven foot eight, and he was like a light middleweight. Remember mm -hmm. Silk? Yeah. And this yeah, Brian yeah, Mendoza yeah. was the guy yeah. with the left hook counter, right, Silk? With the yeah. left hook counter, like you said, yeah. when they throw the jab, yeah? yeah. So, uh, he was, so he had a pretty. he was coming off a decent win. Zoo apparently was quite economical in the first six rounds, and he really stepped it up in the in the second half of the fight, uh -huh. and um, and that was you know he was he was very dominant. Uh, Tim Zoo. One thing I don't like, I've got to be honest with you. Looks like we lost Gary, by the way. Um, he'll come back, but he'll come back. One thing um, I don't like is Iceman John Scully said this a while ago. You know they are ruining boxing history. Zoo was initially the interim champion. Blah blah blah. And Jamel Charlo was the was the WBO. He was wasn't just a WBO like middleweight champion. He was the the, the undisputed like middleweight champion. Mm -hmm. But um, they stripped Charlo of the belt literally as soon as the first round started with Canelo uh, for whatever reason. And then Zoo was upgraded to full champion. So he's made his first defense. But you never get that moment of crown and glory, Michael, because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I know what you mean, and and that's an important part. Listen, when you win a title in the ring, it's absolutely different than being given the title. And, and you sure. know, and I'm sure somebody like Ken Norton felt the same way when he was more or less given yeah. the title after, you know. Yeah. His, <laughs> his fight with Jimmy Young was was retrospectively upgraded to a championship fight. Exactly. Um, and that was because, you know why that was, because Ali wouldn't fight him for the fourth time because he wanted to, uh, sorry, it was because Leon Spinks wouldn't fight him. Yes. Um, and then because he wanted the rematch with Ali, you know. Yes. More yeah. money, because you know, obviously Ali had that leverage. Um, yeah. And that's why they, they upgraded. See, this is the thing, right? Because then they upgraded Norton to the WBC champion. And then he, mm -hmm. in his first defense, he lost it to Larry Holmes. Exactly. So Ken Norton boasts the distinction of being the only world heavyweight champion to lose all three world title fights he appeared in. Yeah. Although he was. <laughs> Although I do think he was very unlucky against um, Ali the third time, you know I do think he was a little unlucky there that night. But one of these days, I have to really like analyze that fight and and all three of the fights actually. I just uh, you know sometimes I just don't want to behold it. I guess I don't want to look at it for for because I don't want to see something that 
I wouldn't like, <laughs> you know, the reality. The reality. But honestly, but I, I remember watching it the first time. We, we had a show in England so, called Great Fights of the 1970s, and it would mm -hmm. be on, I think, uh, maybe BBC Two. Um, and you would stay up. I would stay up late for it school school days, and I would watch it. And these are the, you got to remember these are mythical fights that I'd only read about because I I was too young to have caught. Ali and full. I, I guess I could have seen it in 1976, but I didn't. So you, when about six years later, when I'm 12 years old, I'm ready to watch it, and I'm obsessed with boxing. I'm, I, I idolized Muhammad Ali and Sugar Ray Leonard. So there was no way I wanted to see Norton have won that fight. But as a 12 year old, I watched it on Great Fights of the 70s, and I certainly think that Norton looked like he won it. Um, he was crying afterwards. You know, he broke down in tears. He was so convinced he won it. Harry Carpenter was always a very fair-minded old boy and a very big Ali fan. He said, that is not right. That man should be leaving that ring as the world heavyweight champion. But I know that Frank Lotierzo is a good analyst and a big Ali man. He thinks Ali won the fight. We, we should watch it again and we should we should do the, the scoring of it uh, in some kind of online fashion. Yeah, I mean, I would like to do that. It would be entertaining. It would be entertaining. I, I just always... I know there's just something about like their mix-in styles as well, Ali and Norton, and they just don't compliment. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. One another. They mm. don't. And uh, Abid Ali, by the way, just said Yankee Stadium. What a beautiful ambient setting. Yeah, that was a beautiful setting. But, but, um, but you're right. I remember reading once. This was harsh, by the way, but there was KO Magazine could be a little bit sarcastic back in the day, right? They, they could mm. be a little bit... Um, loose with their, with their kind of dismissal of fighters. Mm -hmm. And one of them wrote that Ken Norton had one talent in the ring and one talent only. He could make Muhammad Ali look absolutely lousy. He was obviously more talented than that, you know. And, and, he, and he had some good wins, Norton, aside from Ali, of course. Yeah. You know? yeah, he did. He did have some very good wins. I mean, I remember him uh, beat Jerry Quarry. I mean, his fight with, 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 with Holmes, I don't know if anybody has ever um, I don't know if anybody has ever given Holmes, I mean, except for the men, the men who beat him, um, that kind of, that kind of tussle, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It was, and what a 15th round that was that, that, yeah. um, like Rock'em Sock'em Robots in the last round. And, yeah. um, I so, think so, so for me, that Holmes fight really qualified Norton. I mean, even though obviously fighting Ali would do it, I always just thought, well, he's kind of like Ali's anti-venom or something. He uh, just that that type of certain type of style, and the fact Ali was a step slower then, and you know he he wasn't he wasn't necessarily in his prime. So I figured, okay, that's that's reason enough. When you're fighting somebody awkward, you know the, you, they're going to get over on stuff like that. And then he fights people like you know. George Foreman and and he gets blown out of there pretty quick. So I don't know, I had a hard time qualifying a lot of Norton's skills for a long time, but I also know in retrospect now I see that he really did have an, a really good ability. Yeah, uh, Joseph Dobrian, uh, your friend of mine, the the writer, um, he had a pretty interesting theory because he he's quite smart for a guy who didn't box um, yes. on, on this whole kind of business, the sweet science, and he was saying that that cross-arm defense of Norton's was a nightmare for a jabber like Ali. You know, oh, yeah. I, I know Ali threw hooks as well, but he, he, he threw lots of jabs and lots of straight right hands. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. says, but guys like Shavers and Norton would just club yeah. him to death, you yeah. know, with, with that style. And yeah. that, I think that was, it's kind of, kind of basic and obvious, but, but, but one of the obvious things that maybe people overlook that yeah. literally his defense was, was not geared towards defending yeah. hooks so well. Well, someone, someone as sharp as Ali, see, Ali, Ali was a very much a sharpshooter and a very yes. uh, accurate puncher. And, and Ali's looking to hit the chin, and he's not looking to bounce things off the top of your head and all the rest of that kind of stuff. He's, he's looking to catch the chin and turn the hand over and hit extremely accurately. Uh, you know, the nose, the chin area, stuff like that, uppercuts. 
you can't do that against Norton's style. That's and and it's it's Ali's natural style to fight that way. Now you see other guys like Shavers and Foreman and guys that throw overhand rights and, and throwing uppercuts and body shots and yeah. you know what I mean. So they would have they would have more of their way with somebody like Norton. I, I couldn't. I I honestly couldn't see Norton doing well against somebody like Tyson, for instance. You know what no, I mean? No, not at all. I don't think. I don't yes. think at all. You know, and um, what was I going to say? It would be fascinating, would it not, to see the 60s Ali in with some of the guys, the, the, the high-profile guys who gave him trouble in the 1970s. Obviously, it'd be interesting to see him with, with, with Frazier, you know, the, the 1966 version of Ali, let's say. Yeah. Um, and to see how he'd handle Norton, you know, would he have handled them yeah. a whole lot better? Well, I, I believe so, because Ali had, like, limitless energy in, in, in that, at that stage. Yeah, and 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 it's not like Norton didn't have the type of hand speed that was intimidating. He'd see it coming, you know what I mean? I, I, I if you told me that Ali would stop him anywhere after like the eighth, ninth round, I would be okay with that. I wouldn't create. I wouldn't have an issue with that at all. No, um, I mean Ali has just said, "Who was the South American who beat Norton? Big upset." Oh um, yeah. I remember who it was too. It was one of those typical Latino names. It was a very typical Latino name, like Dominguez. Was, it wasn't Dominguez, but you know what I mean. It was in. It was one of those kind of Garcia type names. Um, yeah. And they fought, um, fought twice. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this really quick uh, because yeah, that's gonna bother you, you, me. You remember who's talking about? John Doyle, yeah. by the way, says Norton could be vulnerable early. Was carried in one by Jose Luis Rodriguez. He got it. John Doyle's got it. Um, was carried in um, one round by Jose Luis Rodriguez. Was, yes. Uh, and Fraser, I said it was very generic, didn't I? Um, and Fraser would also get the upper hand regularly with sparring against Norton because they were yeah, both any foot I could never see. I, I could never see Norton losing in a fight to Joe Fraser. I'm sorry, Joe Fraser losing in a fight to Ken Norton. I just couldn't. Do you see know what? That. It's interesting. There's some footage of Holmes and. Um, Fraser sparring and Fraser is all over him to be fair. I mean he's like like a cheap suit. I mean yeah. Larry is having his moments, but but it looks like he's under a lot of damn pressure. Like, yeah. like to the point where he ain't comfortable, you know? Oh really? I'd love to see that footage. I mean I'm gonna I, find I, it for you. Yeah. It for you. I mean I, I do believe that nor, nor uh, Holmes wasn't uh, your conventional mover. He's like right in front of you. And and he has the skills. Like he's he's not a dancer like Ali was. He wouldn't give himself that distance. He's yeah. he's a, he's a he's he has a boxing upper body and a slugger's lower body. You know what I mean? Like he'd plant yeah. his feet and he'd be there. And and so uh, you know, for somebody like Joe Fraser, I don't know. If you're not a power puncher as well, like George Foreman, and you're standing right in front of him, I think you're gonna have a long night. It's funny, you know, because. Fraser occasionally showed a different style. I think it was the third quarry fight. Uh-huh. When he um he was boxing and throwing triple jabs and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and, and on his toes a little bit. And I, he had a little bounce anyway, okay. But uh -huh. but Fraser one time there's a quote attributed to him where he says, People think I can't box. He said, Of course I can. I just prefer to go and go 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 get a man. You know? <laughs> he says, I, I can box. Well, what what do you think I've been doing? All these years, but but quite simply, my style is to go after you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, aggression is a weapon, and and used you know at the right times against the right styles. Like James Tony says, pressure bust pipes. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly that. You know, and I think it. That's the thing with pressure, isn't it? And sometimes. If you run from a guy, you're only making his day. That's why you've got to um... see some guys like Canelo. Canelo doesn't like movement because his his feet seem kind of slow. You know what I mean? But but they never guys... used to be. I mean, I look back when he was even coming up when he was fighting. He didn't have slow feet at all. He's got a nice bounce. He's got good. He's he's got really good movement. But you remember when um, Erislandi Lara was very unlucky not to get a win against him back in 2014. I, I didn't see that fight. Going back nearly nine years now. Yeah, uh, well, he's, he's going back nine years, nearly 10 years, I meant to say. But um, he he had a bit of trouble finding him all night. You know what I mean? I, I, th I think Lara won the fight personally. 
really? I think. Yeah, for sure. I remember I interviewed Barry Hearn, Eddie's dad, the Monday afterwards, or sorry, the Thursday afterwards, and I, we spoke about the fight, just the way you you know you break down current action or the rest of it, and he said. Um, you know, uh, but Alvarez is the bigger commercial animal, isn't he? You know, and, it, and it, then he, it was funny the way he said after that, he said, I mean, I don't mean it's crooked, but there's a natural tendency to veer towards the bigger commercial animal, which mm. was about as succinct the summation of the, of the box of the professional boxing culture as you, as yeah. you really, you know, I, I, it does make the promoter's job a lot easier for you to have an undefeated fighter and to keep it that way. But it seems like no matter what, even if you judge a fight fairly and the one who wasn't supposed to win wins, there's always you can always attach your wagon to him, to the to the fighter who you who wasn't supposed to win who wins. If you attach your wagon to him, you know what I mean. You get a chance to. Yeah, well, they, they said that was Don King's thing, right? That was Don King's modus operandi, supposedly. Everybody talks about the famous scenario when he went to the Foreman Fraser fight in Jamaica. He went with Fraser, the champion, and left with Foreman, the champion. And people yeah. talk about stepping over Mike Tyson's prostrate body to get to Buster Douglas. And I remember even when Gerald McClellan uh, lost you know, to Nigel Benn, and you know the, the dire effect that had on his health and his life and his, yes. and his future, the, when McClellan, I presume, must have been stretched off already and taken from the scene and, and rushed to hospital, Nigel Ben was in the ring, emotional, on a high, saying, no, nah, maybe, yeah, you start believing in the Dark Destroyer. And then Don King is still hanging around smoozing Nigel, saying, you made a believer out of me. You know, and, and, um, <laughs> that was wow. a little questionable. When you th yeah. not that, I realise this is not a newsflash, by the way, but yeah. you know what I mean? It's... Well, you know, unlike... unlike... A lot of the more commercial sports, boxing is always going to, you know, you're going to see the raw essence of an individual. You're always, you know, generally you're going to see, you know, the ugly sides of individuals when they're put in situations and they're not primed and propped, ready to answer certain questions. So, you know, when once emotions are exposed, uh, you get to see who you're really dealing with. In moments like that, you know, you look at, individuals and i don't know it just caused you to question everything <laughs> i also know I, I was thinking about this the other day because mm -hmm. lewis marciano who is rocky yes. marciano's nephew he's on facebook right you've seen him yes, um, yes. he's um Staunch I swear to God, you know i swear that he likes a couple of libations at a certain point in the evening and you mm -hmm. can read his energy sometimes when he may have had a couple um mm -hmm. because he was saying I said to J. Russell Peltz, it was a quote or whatever, and he was like, promoters are nothing. We don't look up to them. They look up to our family, not the other way around. And there's times when I feel like saying, you know what? Hey, listen, it's, all right, that was your uncle. You didn't do any fighting. Rocky did all of that. All that legacy is Rocky's. It's not yours, Lewis. It ain't yours yes, at all. Yes, um, yes. But, and he was saying promoters ain't fuck all and all the rest of it. And, you know, you may you may uh, idolize and Ben or you may look up to him on a pedestal, but I certainly don't. We don't. And blah, blah, blah. And but who do you mean by we? When he said we, was he speaking French or was uh, he? Yeah, I, I, I can only assume so. Or maybe it was the royal we. Um, I don't <laughs> know. Oh, could, could it have been that the we system, you know, like the kind of yeah. Xbox? PlayStation play thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I'm, I'm trying to go along with your kind of slightly cryptic <laughs> kind of humor at this point. I'm getting a feel for it now. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I remember you once saying, let's not over-celebrate promoters. You said it's not rocket science, right? Or, or, or at least you don't imagine it is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah? Is that, well, I mean, what, you did... what part isn't rocket science, sir? You once said, let's not lionize promoters beyond beyond uh, yeah. reality. It's not yeah. rocket science. You said that. Yeah. yeah. No, it really isn't. And I, and I always feel like like I I have a hard time in a lot of, in a lot of ways understanding what promoters do and why they always get the lion's share is it because they put up the, the money. money you know what i mean like what is it about what they do that guarantees them the lion's share I, well, I, well they lose money as well obviously michael and if they don't have television it's a whole different game and a whole different level of stress and struggle well that's but, certainly when you know somebody's really good when when if they're successful promoting it promoting boxing without TV, 
right? But but these days there are just so many ways to monetize. Uh, yeah, to monetize being a, a boxing promoter. Well, let me ask you this then: um, Eddie Hearn will get in the Hall of Fame. That will happen, right? He will be in a Hall of Fame, like his dad Barry Hearn. Frank Warren is already in there. Do you think is that a valid award as far as you're concerned, or do you take the view? Okay, so you're born with a silver spoon in your mouth. Your dad had already built up this massive sporting company, Colossus, mm -hmm. and he said you could run the boxing. You did it. All right, you've, you, Eddie has taken it to another level, um, and, he, and he's worked hard at it. But do you feel that's a Hall, Hall of Fame-worthy accolade, or do you just think that's a simple case of a reasonably bright son getting on with the family business that his dad already built? There, There is that. There is that. When you see somebody like... Um... Oh my God! Who's who's a, a you know welterweight kid? I'm, I'm sorry, I've been I've taken too many shots in my time. Um, oh my God! He he beat Mark Breland. He beat um, Marlon Starling. Yeah, I knew you meant him. Yeah, yeah when you when you say Marlon Starling isn't in the Boxing Hall of Fame, and then a promoter who I mean promoters aren't fighters i understand that but there has to be something it has to make sense. yeah so don't, don't don't confuse it with that you either don't believe in the non-participants category or you do but they're not the expensive fighters see i don't think marlon Sarlin should be in the hall of fame you and iceman john scully are trying to tell me he should i don't i think he was fantastic i love mochi what a good fighter but i but i should be able to say that about certain fighters from the pantheon of boxing history without yeah. putting them all in the hall of fame I mean, you know, I might think that about Curtin and Lang. All right, I don't realize he doesn't have the body of work that Marlon had. But you're saying because he beat um, Lloyd Hunnigan and Mark Breland, essentially, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. Well, he, I mean, he, he also beat Simon Brown. He also beat... He Simon beat, Brown, okay, that's that, that's a good win. That's a great win. Simon, Brown was, Simon Brown was undefeated. He, he, he hadn't lost. And, okay. and he beat him. I mean, it, it's interesting because boxing, like, it doesn't have... It, it, it isn't the um, you can't judge it the conventional way. It always ends up being who you personally like. Personally, no, but it shouldn't be. No, because I love him. If it was about that, I would have him in there. Uh huh. If that's all it was about, I just don't. Th I think he is close, but no cigar. It's as simple as that. Um, okay. You and said then, and then, and then at that point, that's when people start bringing in other fighters who haven't, who are in the Hall of Fame that haven't had the success they haven't beat the names that he has no you're right and, and this is the problem but i'm i must admit i'm not a fan of that low bar argument i'm not a fan of yeah. that let's open the floodgates because we've but already then, no i don't say open the floodgates but i'm saying there has to be some sort of rationale behind it then because if it's because it, it looks like it's being chosen just on your what you feel about an individual uh, sorry, well, missed that I, one. For me, that just came through, but I missed it. What's that? A, a comment that just came through? Yeah, it was. A, I'm just uh, flashing them up there. To, it's just I'm flashing them up there so people can see we're acknowledging them, and we may take some of those points while we're talking organically. But I'm not saying you have to clock them all if you're already in midstream. You understand? All right. Okay. I've learned something. Should <laughs> <Jimmy laughs> Young and Jerry Corey be in the Hall of Fame? There's another one, for instance. Uh, I don't think I don't think either of them should be in the Hall of Fame. No. Uh, well, okay, so Jerry Quarry, he never won the world title. No, and, and back then, you're right to use the language of the world title. It, it's bogus phrase today, but yes, back then, you can, you can say yeah. that. And, and Jimmy Young, hmm, <coughs> that's, uh, I mean, he beat, beat George Foreman. Yeah. But I don't think, think he beat Ali. No, he didn't. Come on. He... First of all, every time he stuck his head out the ropes, that's counted counted as a knockdown. He gave himself up. So he what did he get knocked down three times in that fight? <laughs> if that's the case, then he he didn't win. Who are we talking about? What who? Jimmy Young? When Jimmy Young fought Ali, and whenever he didn't get Ali knocked got, down any other time, he didn't get knocked yeah, down. At all. Yes, he did. Of course, he did. It was scored a knockdown. He stuck his head out the ropes. You're giving yourself up. Oh, 
yeah, he was leaning at the wrong, so he wasn't not he wasn't flawed. But, he wasn't but then, who in life? I mean, I was like, I was I must have been like about eleven or twelve. I wasn't even boxing at the time when that happened. Who sticks their head out the ropes and like I was like, yeah, no, I'm not recommending it, Silk. I just don't recall any knockdowns. Now you've clarified, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what they were scored at. So, you know, if every time he stuck his head out the ropes, that's a knockdown, then he didn't win the fight. No, listen, it was a terrible fight. And it was Ali in that period when, you know, Ali could have walked away perhaps yes. after the Fraser third fight, the Thriller Manila. That yeah. would have been the perfect moment for him to have gone from a from a from just from a beautiful legacy point of view. If you're talking yeah. about a trophy on the mantelpiece and yeah. you're polishing it before it gets too chipped and tarnished. And yeah. you want to put it in a glass case and never and never touch it again. That would have been the time, you know. Well, but even least, still, even even still, that was too late. The Manila fight. It was probably still, was for his health, Silk. Yes, for his health on on the health side. That you was know good. what Mickey mm -hmm. Duff thinks he should have given up after the second Fraser fight. He said he doesn't think. I, I got to disagree with Mickey on this, but Mickey says he doesn't think that the Foreman fight greatly enhanced Ali's legacy or made a difference. Which oh, yeah, he's no. completely wrong by, about that. By the yeah, way, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I think on the Foreman fight after the Foreman fight that should have been it, the last one. And, and I think that you know um, it's almost it's crazy. It's like people didn't know that if you take a punch, if you get hit that often, there are going to be repercussions of that sort. It's it, I mean, because there were fighters before Ali who ended up with, you know, who had punch drunk syndrome and all yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. What did, King, Levinsky, King Levinsky always springs to mind when he, the guy who said, Joe Lewis took me from being a contender to a guy selling ties just like that. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't the full shilling. They, they, so I remember, I think it was Ali in his autobiography uh, uh, that he cites King Levinsky as one of the examples of a punch drunk fighter, you know, in a kind of, a kind of warning potential portents of things yeah. to come, you know. Yeah, you know what? It, it, and it's really scary because you realize it and you talk about it, but it's happening to you every time you're stepping in the ring and every time you're sparring. And not having the individuals, like, it's very important to have people that look out for you. Yeah. In, in the ring. And then, and, and, but they get caught up in the circus. They get caught up in the fight. They get caught up in the energy, and they and they forget it as well. They, you know, people see you as, as an object and not a human anymore. And and they, they want you to fight for your, for pride's sake, or they believe in you and they don't see the downside of that. Belief. And you know what? That mm -hmm. is why. This show's called Nevermind the Bollocks, by the way, which was kind of reference to the Sex Pistols only album. But um I'm what are bollocks? About, huh? What are bollocks? Well Is it like mollusks? Are they underwater sea things? No, they're not. They they're um it's it's basically a slang term for testicles. Uh but uh -huh. okay. but right. it is a youth it, but it's also a, a an effective term, a slang term for nonsense, like that's bollocks. Don't talk bollocks, silk. Oh, like yes. Don't like... be a contrarian. Don't talk bollocks. <laughs> you know that kind of thing. Oh, you mean like bullshit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely like that. Oh, so the okay. Sex Pistols' first album was called "Never Mind the Bollocks." Here's the Sex Pistols. Gary right. was saying, "Could we talk about the KSI blah 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 thing, Fury thing?" And I said, "Okay, but can we call it Never Mind the Bollocks?" You know, as in Never mm -hmm. Mind the Bollocks. And I think we've segued away from it really well. Uh, Gary dropped out, by the way, because his Wi-Fi in the hotel stopped working because he's in Los Angeles um, and he's in a hotel right now, and he lo he lost the um. It's LA for you. Exactly. So, but I think we have actually done a really good job of not minding the bollocks for the last half an hour, just on our own here. So, yeah, you know, props. <laughs> Excuse me, coughing a little bit there, but um, yeah, I, I think boxing is always going to be that that attraction. <laughs> what are bollocks? A <laughs> question just came to be interesting. Um, boxing is always going to give you that. They're going to give you like the two extremes: far the far left, the far the far right. Huh? Yeah. And, um, and that's the thing, you know, to some people, you talk about damage, pugilistic dementia, um, I think you said the other way around. Um, and some people say that's why it's great, you know, fair play to Tommy Fury. He's making gazillions of pounds. Or You know what, I don't know what he's getting, but I know it's hideous. It's a crazy amount, you know, for, for what it is, 
six rounder against some muppet but um who's also getting loads of money by the way and, and mm -hmm. he's getting loads of money because he sells like a what is basically a glorified kind of cordial drink for, for loads of money because it's hip and, it, and all the kids will fall over themselves for it because people humans are intrinsically not very intelligent you but, know, it, isn't it, but isn't it all marketing 101 i mean that's just the basis of selling anything it's like it's, yeah it, it, people are attracted to what they like and that's all there is to it well and, but now people are attracted to what they think they like and people are attracted to what is said to be cool and is invested with a certain status that makes them think they're cool they obviously think it's cool themselves they must think it's cool they're attracted to that individual in order to follow what he does there's something about him and, and so uh, so yeah. it's it's based on popularity is based on personality it's not based well, on well, it's, well, it's funny you say that because i'm thinking of the ksi phenomenon and i've met him right i met him in the gym and I uh, spoke to him for a bit. I, I recorded a video of, of me skipping next to him. Mm -hmm. And I guess I was being a bit mischievous. What I was trying to prove is this guy got no rhythm um, uh -huh. <laughs> and he can't skip very well. And, and look what he looks like next to somebody who can, who can you know. So, mm -hmm. um, but I felt a bit guilty about those, those impulses because obviously you get talking to him, you think he's a nice guy. And that is the big thing that, that, that is the great principle eroder sometimes. Exactly. Nice it's, it's always, it's attraction. I'm, look, look at it like this. Here's, here's a perfect case. In but I was about to say to you before, before we got off there, I was about to say to you, he's a nice guy. He's not a charismatic guy. And to yeah. my eye, he is not an especially good looking guy either. So what I'm saying is, what is it? When you talk about charisma, he doesn't seem especially good looking or charismatic or interesting. And I don't know what it is about him, even remotely, that that, that, that made him such. Well, I guess it's happened clearly. Yeah, I guess I guess attraction happens on many different levels and many different ways. So I don't know what his attraction would be, but look at look at like um, Sugar Ray Leonard, for instance, right? Incredible yeah. talent. Yeah. There are people that don't know anything about boxing that love him only because they're based on his personality. They don't know boxing at all. But yeah, especially a lot, of, a lot of women. A lot they, of can't tell you, they can't tell you if he's technically better than Pistol P. Ranzani or no. Vino Cuevas or maybe some guy off the street. They, they can't tell you that. But back in but the they day... love him because, because they relate to him. There's something about him that relates yes, to people. But back in the day... Back in the day, that was an extra factor that helped you make it and it helped you maximize your earnings so long as you no, were the but, good. But it's, but it's still it's still relevant today. It's like no, but no, but don't you understand? Today, you don't even need the goods. You just have that and you'll be fine. Or, you know, as long as people tune into it. You understand? That, in the old days, you had to have the fight as well. Otherwise, it was meaningless. Uh, yeah, but I guess, I mean, unless it was a tough man contest, you know what I mean? I mean, look at Butterbean. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he he couldn't even he couldn't even beat a, a marginal, not even a marginal professional boxer, a real guy that did it. Well, yeah, because he lost to a guy in the gym in Gleason's gym called Mitchell Rose, who was like a, an offbeaten journeyman type. Yeah, who lost more fights than he won, he, but he beat. He stepped up to the real fight. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, but um, but it seems now that the cult of personality has gotten to the point. Before it was a bonus and it was an enhancer of, of a person's career profile and earnings. Uh, whereas now it's literally all that seems to matter. You, that's what I feel the transition has occurred. Mm. I, I missed the last part. I feel that's what's happened in this era. That that is the transition we've seen. That no longer is it an addition to talent and substance. It's literally can be instead of. Yeah, but. You see, the thing is, the the people that can qualify your greatness, like being great and being popular, are two different things. Yeah. And at the end of the day, somebody who's boxed for a living wants to be great. They don't want to be popular. People who don't take it that way and don't box for a living, they really don't care about being great. They want to be popular. They're in it for popularity, and they'll do anything in order to be popular. You see, people you know, do, uh, what do they call that stuff where they parkour, where they're jumping off buildings and, you know, yeah, free yeah, all that stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, they're doing it to be popular. They have a need to be popular. And, and if there's an element of danger to it, you know what I mean? There is, I mean, there's, there's the guy with the, 
the Australian kid who's unfortunately like a, a stingray or something pierced his heart. Yeah, and, yeah Steve, something. Yeah, yeah, and, and and things like that. They, I don't know if he's an animal expert. I don't know if he has a, if he's educated in that, but certainly, you know what I mean. He's getting likes and he's getting paid because of. Uh, you know, he's doing things that the normal person wouldn't actually. Steve try. Irwin. Yeah, so Steve we're Irwin. living. We're living through somebody else. Steve Irwin. Thank you very much, SA1 Boxfit. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I remember Family Guy had like a kind of cutaway one time when there was some guy in America. I don't know who it is even, but someone who did those jackass kind of stunts or did really gross things, you know, to, to yeah. quite entertainment. Yeah, and at yeah. some point, the character goes, can I stop this? Does anybody out there like me yet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean, Jackass is great. Those guys. But 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 it's all, you see how it's all related. It's all in popularity. And then if it's popularity, it, it translates to money right away in this day and age. Yeah, well, because it, it's never been easier to market stuff. I mean, one of the advantages of that is obviously we're able to talk to an audience th today and we can we can chew the fat on boxing and see what direction we go in. We've got our own TV show, all right? It, it, it ain't that big as of this time, but we have it. In the, in the old days, I mean, you, it's, a better, it's a better example from my point of view because you were famous and I wasn't and you're older than me and I used to see you on a cover of Ring magazine. So for someone to say there will come an era when you can have your own television show with Michael Elijah and Gary Stretch, you'd be like, well, that sounds pretty damn cool. So that is the, the there's no point in me complaining about the culture we live in today when it facilitates this kind of relationship, you know. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I would lose the, I would use the term me being famous, you know, loosely, I, I, you know what I mean? You you're famous in my world. My my subculture and your subculture. Oh shucks, thank you. I, I mean, it's really cool. I mean, wasn't it amazing going to Atlantic City and just being among all those faces and, and yeah. you know what I mean? Those <laughs> Jackie Lopez meeting Jackie Lopez for the first time to me was just like mind blowing. And, this is the and, thing you're still such a fan, and that's what that's what I really I really like that about you, mm -hmm. among, amongst other things, because yeah. you either get it or you don't. And when I've got Danny Little Red Lopez on video call with Mike Ayala, you said yeah. that's amazing and started yeah. filming it. Not everybody yeah. understands that. No, they don't. Like, okay, that's kind of cool, but but yeah, so what? Yeah. Whereas to you, it hits you in the gut, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and it just made me think, like, of all the guys, like right now, like. Curtis Parker and James Hardrock Green. I do not see him down there. No. You know, I don't see him at the Atlantic City Boxing Hall of Fame. That's crazy. Those guys were Atlantic City. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were the backbone of Atlantic City, and they should and they should be there. So they really got to they got to start pulling guys back in there as well. well and yeah, Yaki Lopez was a great fighter who never won a light heavyweight title, <coughs> but gave every single fighter that he fought. I mean, he just laid everything on the line. His heart was insane. And his ability was incredible. And the guy is like he was still so clear as a of all the fighters I've ever seen fight. If you were to say if there's one guy that should not have all his faculties there, and that's you know, that's yeah. Jackie Lopez. I mean, he he should be punched drunk simply off the Matthew Saad Muhammad fight. Forget That's what doesn't make sense, and I think there must be an element of genetics or luck or whatever it is. Yeah. Because, like you said, I mean, we saw various uh, past greats and, and, le and leading lights. Yeah. A couple. Of, it was actually two two weeks ago. I said three the other day. It, yeah. This time, this time, um, two weeks ago, we got back to New York. You know, yeah. um, but. We saw various guys who were diminished, you know, uh, without mentioning names. We saw guys who you feel it's a little bit unfortunate yeah. because yeah. they can't talk so well as they used to and they might not remember things. Yeah. But like you say, it makes no sense. If you met Yaqui Lopez and he was muffled and, and, and doddering, you'd be like, oh, well, that, that figures. But he's absolutely uh, yeah. fine, isn't he? He's sharp yeah. as a tank. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm glad. Yeah. Yeah, I'm extremely happy myself. And uh, Abid said, "What happened to Frank the Animal Fletcher?" That's another one. Yeah, I would love to. I would. Um, I believe he is still alive. Still alive. I yeah. think he is. Um, and he's. Um, he's. It says Hagler didn't fight Fletcher. You know why, Joe? 
Hagler didn't fight Fletcher because when Rolden knocked him out on the undercard of Hagler Duran in exactly. November 1983, and so Rolden got the shot instead. Fletcher would have got the shot if it had been Rolden. Because they did that back then, didn't they, Michael? It was a bit more one champ. I mean, all right, it was the only division that had one champion, but certainly Hagler was the world champion. There was yeah. an eliminator to fight him. If you won it, you got it. And yeah. if, you, if you lost, you didn't. It was kind of simple then, wasn't it? Almost like. Yeah. Yeah, it really was simple. And that's the beauty of boxing back in those days, which, you know, it's gone now. It's, you know, you have to come with, I, I mean, you need the social media following. You need, uh, I don't know, it's, people have to be attracted to you in a way. There's a story. There, there has to be a story they can. Um, but meanwhile, like I say, meanwhile, it was two good fighters who defended world titles this weekend and they were put in the shade by this other thing that's going on. Quite how serious it is and whether we should barricade things in and, and declare a siege war mentality or whether we should have an enlightened attitude towards it, I don't know. For the most part, Michael, I feel I should ignore it. I really do. I wouldn't report it on my page. This is a bit different. I mean, you know, certainly, not with any, certainly not with any reverence. Uh, no. Man. You know what I mean? Like... It can be talked about in passing, or if if it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't mean anything. But like for instance, there were other there was another legitimate fight, and and we didn't mention it at all, pretty much. And and um and I didn't because I didn't see it, but I did see the uh, I, I did I did see the uh, KSI uh, like a highlight because it just was up and social yeah. media was there. So I took a look at it and then I saw they were complaining about each other in case I was really upset that he lost and that he's, he said he lost because of the, the boxing establishment didn't want him to win. Imagine a video board or whatever he does beating one of their fighters. And I'm, and I'm like, He's not one of our fighters. <laughs> I don't know. Nah, I'm not. I, I am disowning Tommy Fury before you try and lay him at my door. Don't drop him my door, my doorstep, Alan Matthew Saab Mohammed, please. <laughs> <laughs> I have not adopted him. On that note, I, I unfortunately have to take uh, bid you adieu because I have a, a a steak dinner awaiting me, and and fighters and steaks, you can't keep them apart for too long. No, I understand that. You know, you need that protein. That all that. All that fine muscle mass, you know, and male magnificence doesn't maintain itself. Enjoy that steak. Yeah, keep doing those pull-ups. Um, <laughs> listen, guys, thank you for listening. Uh, sorry we lost Gary yeah. some point along the way, but he'll be back shortly next week. In the meantime, be lucky. Keep punching. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.